You are listening to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks, the podcast. Uh, this is series number four. I believe it is episode number 14. Don't hold me to it. It's JJ Sefton here along with CBD. It's Friday, the 22nd of September, 2023. We are going to be joined hopefully any moment by Joe Mannix, but for the time being, uh, CBD, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Um, yes, we're waiting uh, impatiently for Joe Mannix, um, you know, typical Ace of Spades blogger. You know, he's never on time. Um, I'm doing okay. I've got a bit of a cold. So if I sound like a duck, um, I'd like to blame Anthony Fauci. Um, no, I'm kidding. I don't I don't have COVID. Or if I do, I don't care because I, I'm not going to test myself. And it's a fucking cold at this point. So who gives a shit? Absolutely. Absolutely. The whole week. Yeah, we covered that, that whole thing. I mean, if, hopefully, you know, they're, they're, as election season comes forward, it's always uh, it's always COVID season and lockdown season. So we'll see. We'll see how far that goes this time. I hope uh, the American people are, you know, fool me once. Uh, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on, on me. But, uh, you know, the jury is out on the on the intelligence, as we talked about before we went on the air of the American people uh, vis-a-vis a a personal experience you were having in in shopping on on Amazon. But um, yeah, that, that just whole thing is just, it's heinous and a a crime against humanity. I hope people and pray people just don't take this crap seriously and refuse to do the the shots, the boosters, the more boosters, the the masks and all that other crap. But yeah, even, um, even Pfizer came out with a study that they sponsored um, pointing out that, uh, that vaccination in kids uh, five and under is, um, is essentially ineffective. Um, and I, I mean, I'm not a doctor and I, you know, this is medical advice. This is political um, and social advice. And that is don't let your kids get vaccinated with the COVID vaccine. It's, it's simply ineffective and who knows what the downsides are, you know, short, medium and long term. Um, Anyway, listen, we beat this to death last last time. So uh, yes. let, let's move on. Um, so uh, Sefton and I were talking a little bit before we we fired this up. Um, and we were talking about the, the Bobert uh, misbehavior, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, she's a young lady. Was well, she 36 years old? Uh, quite attractive, I think. Uh, and she went on a date. Um, a poor cho- choice of dates, obviously. Um and uh you know listen she and her date were petting does that bother me no it doesn't bother me at all does does she have um probably uh an insufficient sense of of propriety yes uh but uh our entire society has an insufficient sense of propriety so i can't really beat her up too much and as sefton and i were discussing i and i think i speak for him we don't care as long as she votes correctly as as long as she is a pain in the ass to the left i don't care doesn't bother me at all and i'll say the same thing about george santos for instance the uh, the idiot congressman from long island who you know lies and cheats and steals uh he's apparently social security fraud but i don't care as long as he votes the right way he's fine with me I will echo that sentiment uh, 110,000 uh, percent. What what I can't stand and, and we, we've long mentioned is that one of the 
these sort of sine qua nons of the Democrat Party and leftists in general is they're just their horrendous hypocrisy. And they will go on and on to point out the character flaws and personal flaws, uh, real or imagined, and sometimes mostly imagined, of uh, conservatives and Republicans and so on and so forth to use it as a cudgel uh, to beat us up with as hypocrites. Meanwhile, you have people like, I mean, right at the top, you got Bill Clinton, who is a, a serial sexual assaulter and only really... He still has really never, never um, suffered any real consequences for that. And I'm, I'm not even talking about Monica Lewinsky. I'm talking about people like Jennifer Flowers and Paula Jones uh, and so on and so forth, who were literally sexually assaulted by him and who uh, and all of this was covered up both by the media and by the Democrat Party and so on and so forth. And of course, Joe Biden himself, sponge brain shitspans. Uh, you know, someone mentioned, and, and it's it's tangentially and very related, uh, the travails of Russell Brand uh, right now. Uh, he has been accused, uh, accusations from like 25, 30 years ago, all of a sudden are destroying his, uh, he's being kicked off of YouTube, he's being kicked off of all of his channels uh, because of it. And these are uns- unsubstantiated, um, unsubstantiated charges, you know, and I, you know, and I said, you know, personally, I don't give a damn. Joe Biden can go there and grope, you know, toddlers on television live at a press conference. He could sexually assault a woman named Tara Reid, who was, uh, I believe, working for him on his staff a number of years ago. And what does the press do? What do the Democrats do? They circle the wagons and they destroy the accuser. Uh, and there are very, very valid reasons to believe these people, to believe all of the people that have accused Clinton and Biden and so on and so forth. Hell, a Biden's own granddaughter even... <laughs> It's been confirmed that Biden used to take showers with her when she was a child. That I mean, is that is so stunningly creepy. I, I don't mm. I don't have I I have no frame of reference for that. Yes, it's just, you know, this is so all of this crap. I don't care anymore. It's not that I necessarily don't care anymore, but you know something? The world in our nation is on a knife edge right now. And if somebody does something like like. If Lorena, if was it Lorna, Laura, I don't even, I'm being confusing her with Lorena Bobbitt, but Laura, Laura Bobert, <laughs> yeah, really. First of all, she had a poor choice of dates because I, from what I understand, the guy was some sort of a Democrat uh, hotshot or something, which I don't I mean, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, she's in private. She's necking with the guy or they're, you know, they're heavy petting in the back row of some cockamamie, stupid Broadway show. And all of a sudden, everybody's getting in a, in a tizzy about it. Big effing deal. As long as she votes the right way, as long as she says the right things, then then that's fine. And the only reason, by the way, they're going after Russell Brand is all of a sudden, and we talked about this before, he was has been very, very red-pilled over the last, I'd say, year or so, two years, to going from a sort of a left-wing clueless schmuck into becoming a really strident voice for both uh, you know, anti-censorship, uh, the whole anti-COVID thing, and he's kind of been red-pilled. And so... That's a danger to the junta. So any voice that, that it goes is. against them. But, you know, something I, I, I actually do have to um, point out that that these uh, these people in the public eye, like uh, Russell Brand and, for instance, um, Dave Portnoy. I don't know if, yeah. if many oh, of yes. our uh, yeah. listeners know who he is. Um, he's a gambling site uh, or um, a sports uh, sports talk site, things like that. He's quite successful. Um, he is vociferously pro-free speech, as is Russell Brand. But I think the reason first is that it affects their livelihood, that these people are contentious and sometimes um, buck the tide. And so they have to be pro-free speech simply to protect their their income. And I'm 
less enamored of their of of their political philosophy than I am of a narrow a, a narrowly focused support for one of our rights. Well, the thing is, CBD, I would say this. I, I do agree with you to an extent, but um, again, it's uh, it's expediency and you know, and, and all, all things considered, and sort of doing triage in terms of the situation that we face. Yeah, Russell Brand, I'll, maybe I'll pull back a little. Maybe he hasn't been red-pilled, but the fact that he is willing to hear other uh, voices that are contra the meme and contra the junta and contra leftism uh, and give them a fair shot at, at, at stating their case and debating them in a civil and open forum, that in and of itself, all by itself, presents a, a, a massive danger to, to the powers that be. So I applaud that. Same goes to a lesser extent, I suppose, with Bill Maher. Yeah, he's still kind of a cockamamie, knuckleheaded leftist, but on a number of issues of late, he's been very, very right, and he's called out the right people for the right things. Uh, has he mellowed his sort of anti-MAGA, anti-Trump uh, rhetoric? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? But at least he's not, uh, you know, he, at least he he calls out people for the bullshit that that, uh, you know, that, that they are that they are spewing. And he says, no, this is wrong. Either we do that. Either we believe in what we believe or we don't believe in what we believe. And in which case we're useless. So for the expediency of a Russell brand, I say bravo to him and, and keep it going. You know, and as far as, you know, Lorna Boebert, I mean. You know, right. You know, come on, you know, a little propriety. But at the end of the day, you know, the her crimes versus the crimes of Joe Biden, Bill Clinton, uh, Robert Menendez uh, and on and on and on. It's nothing. It's a, it's 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 not even a drop in the ocean. Well, speaking of uh, Bob Menendez, um, yeah. I'm thrilled. The guy got popped for bribery. He they final. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> and I mean, obvious, uh, you know, in your face bribery. Nothing. There's nothing subtle at all about him. Um, gold bars or something with his wife yeah it's it's unbelievable and but that's good and unfortunately um what's going to happen is that you know at, at best he will be tossed out of the senate which won't happen um but uh no matter what happens new jersey will will elect a democrat in his place uh, i think he's actually up for re-election this cycle i'm not 100 percent sure um but they will they will absolutely elect a Democrat in his place and probably somebody even farther to the left, which really thrills me to no end because, uh, yeah. yeah, anyway. Um, ah, well, speaking of uh, charging uh, our politicians, what about what's going on with the impeachment? It seems as if they are, uh, McCarthy is taking it relatively seriously. He is, he is proceeding uh, in, into impeachment territory, um, they will have hearings, unless he's lying about that and is just going to keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. Um, but it seems as though they will at least have the a pro forma hearing. Right. I mean, we've, we're coming off this week. The big, uh, the the big sort of news, politically speaking, was uh, the interrogation, if you will, of Merrick Garland in front of a. Uh, a congressional hearing where he got, I mean, some people say they went light on him and some pundits are saying, no, he kind of got smoked, but either way there, he, he faces no, he faces no real, shall we say retribution or real punishment for his cr crimes, which include perjuring himself to the Congress on a number of, on, on the, on the whole David Weiss appointment as a special prosecutor or non-appointment of him and it, what he was told he could do, what he was told he couldn't do and so on and so forth. 
But uh, a number of people, I think this, the, the, the key um, quote was this congresswoman, I believe her name is Victoria Sparts from Texas. And she is a Ukrainian refugee from when Ukraine was literally a dictator. Well, it's, it's a shithole banana republic now. Well, it's a dictatorship what, still, but. Uh, yes, it is. But I mean, but then it was under the, so she was under the, so the full Soviet boot. Yeah. And she literally ripped him a new one for what he was doing with these KGB tactics of, of, um, you know, persecuting innocent people for attending school board meetings and so on and so forth. And bravo to her for that one. But again, this fucking smuck, I couldn't believe it. And it drove me, me crazy was Merrick Garland all of a sudden hid behind the fact that his grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. And I'm going, you've got to be effing kidding me, this guy. I mean, of all the people to do that is him. I mean, he's literally instituting Gestapo like tactics against, uh, <laughs> against the American people uh, with the, with the approval of, or at the behest of, of the man, right. Or the people on top, whether it's the Oval Office or Calorama. Um, and Miranda Devine had a very good uh, column, but I think she missed the point. She was just basically saying that uh, Merrick Garland, Garland was like Sergeant Schultz and Mr. Magoo. I know nothing. I see nothing. And, and so on and so forth. But no, he fully is aware of what he's doing. He is part and parcel of the persecution of, of uh, innocent American people uh, in this country. And that's just, that's inexcusable. But of course, he'll get away with it. How that redounds onto the impeachment is, uh, is anyone's guess. But a lot of this shit is now out in the open. And I guess maybe it's either forcing McCarthy's hand or who knows what. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm of two minds of, of with Garland. I think that he, he, you know, sometimes I think he's the devil incarnate. And sometimes I think that he's just a, uh, you know, a, an amiable looking uh, figurehead for the real power behind the Justice Department. Um, and that is, of course, the deep state, the, these these career, uh, these apparatchiks who are thoroughly immersed in in pushing a an evil post legal America on onto us. Um, and of but course, isn't he could, part? Is not is, he really part of it then? I mean, why would they just? I mean, if he's a figurehead, I mean, well, again, well, he's got to come up with the rent. I think he was, given that, I think he was given that slot in part mm-hmm. to uh, um, to pay him back for uh, Mitch McConnell doing one good thing in his entire fucking pathetic life, and that yeah. is uh, not holding hearings for him as a Supreme Court justice, uh, which is just fantastic. Because let's face it, he's the Attorney General. Nobody gives a shit about Attorney Generals. In five years, his name will be dirt, and in ten years, people will have forgotten. But Supreme Court justices live on. They are more important. And uh, he lost his shot at at fame and posterity. And, you know, listen, I'm looking I'm I'm looking for the uh, the silver lining in this shit sandwich to mix. I guess it is a silver lining. But then again, you know, he's like he has a career in Washington, D.C. that goes back, I don't know, 25, 30, however many years as far back as as William Barr, if you will, or, or many of these people there. It's just. They've been there, there for you know literally forever, their entire lives. Uh, you know, if we, were, we were talking about Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci graduated from medical school in 1966, and he never practiced medicine. He went right into the government. He went right to the National Institutes of Health as a, you know, as a as some sort of mad scientist, and that's exactly what he what what he was doing for the last 50 odd years. Same thing with these guys. So, and a lot of it with Garland, I think, was retribution. I think he felt particularly burned by uh, McConnell and, of course, by, uh, 
you know, and there's there's another there's another aspect of the McConnell decision which I, I'll, I'll debate with you in a second. But he got spurned by it. I think he sought revenge for it, and so that's that's pretty pretty much what he's doing. Of course, his revenge is is perfectly in keeping with exactly what the aims of the junta are. But let me ask you this: there was, I think, when McConnell spurned the the uh, the nomination of of Merrick Garland, I think everyone had assumed. He might have been in on this that assumed that Hillary Clinton was going to get elected in 2016. And famously, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, or as I call her, Ruth Bader Meinhof, decided not to retire because she wanted to retire when Hillary Clinton was president. And so that she could name her female Marxist, uh, you know, uh, successor to the court. And of course, when that didn't happen, that that shot that all to hell. So maybe McConnell was in on the, in on the scam, but surely it surely worked out very well for the to the extent that it can for the American people by keeping his ass off the court. Of course, we still have, you know, Kentanji Brown 25 and Sotomayor and all the others, but there you have it. Um, yeah, I, that's possible. Um, but again, I, I, I don't, uh, I would, first of all, I wouldn't put anything past McConnell. He's scum. <laughs> Tinfoil so. hattery, but you never know. You know, you never yeah. know. Anyway, we will uh, take a little bit of a break and uh, we'll be back. Hopefully we'll be joined by Joe Mannix. So stay tuned to Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks and don't touch that dial. With the Cut Jib Newsletter Speaks podcast, it's JJ Sefton here along with CBD and at long last, hallelujah, we are joined by our co-blogger and friend, uh, Joe Mannix. Joe, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well, and thanks for letting me jump in midstream. No problem. So um, we were just saying before you joined us that, uh, and you were mentioning this as uh, all of a sudden, and we, we, we also touched upon on the last podcast, uh, the as as all the the climate change global warming bullshit is being revealed as just that the administration is even ramping up uh, even even harder and going pedal to the metal to ram these uh, this this crap down our throats that will ultimately destroy our economy and our way of life and our freedom uh, and i think uh, joe you have some thoughts on this yeah uh, especially one little aspect of this which is it made news this week it didn't seem to make a lot of it that Joe Biden's administration has issued an executive order along the topic of the American Climate Corps, which is a straight up, um, well, it's billed as a New Deal style program. Right? We had the Civilian Conservation Corps back then to go uh, build trails through national parks and whatnot, make work projects. Um, this is the same thing just for climate projects. Um, leveraging the talents of all members of our society, as they put it. And they're talking about 20,000 people, hiring 20,000 people to conserve and restore our lands and waters, bolster community resilience, deploy clean energy, implement energy efficient technologies, and advance en environmental justice. All oh, my God. Energy. Thank God for that. 
Right? Yeah. All <laughs> while creating pathways to high quality, good paying, clean energy and climate resilience jobs in the public and private sectors after they complete their paid training program. So it's a little bit different from the old school New Deal program. That was a quote, by the way, from the executive order. Um, it's a little bit different from the old school New Deal program, which were just straight make work. This is technically being cast as some sort of climate friendly workforce development program but what i find fascinating and very troubling about this and i'll be very interested to see what happens with the litigation that is surely going to come is that this was shot down congress refused to fund this so Joe Biden signs an executive order, and it says that he's calling on tribal, state, and local governments, labor unions, nonprofit service allies, the private sector, and philanthropy to collaborate with the federal government to expand skills-based training partnerships, blah, blah, blah. So how the hell is he paying for it? Um, last I checked, EOs aren't allowed to appropriate. Right. That's Congress's job. And Congress said no. So he signs the EO anyway, says, I'm going to do it anyway. And I can't tell whether he's just going to steal the money from the Treasury uh, or if he's going to uh, steal the money from the private sector by muscling in on, uh, you know, in this lovely sort of fascistic way that fascism always turns out. Well, but this whole embrace thing the, is just embrace the power of and. This is yes. Uh, you know, it's my he's going to do both. Obviously, <laughs> this is listen. This is Komsomol. I don't know if you you know what that is. Or you probably do, but uh, that's the Soviet <laughs> Union um, young people's organizations for um, mm -hmm. you know it was young communists really, uh, and that's obviously what this is going to be. And my guess is that they're going to be hiring out of out of colleges, you know, uh, people with with gender studies um, degrees who can't get jobs. Uh, they'll they'll rush off and get paid um, a fair way, a, a reasonable wage, probably 50, 60 grand a year doing nothing uh, except for uh, learning how to suck on the uh, government teat. Um, but uh, aside from that, the, the rest of it, it could could have come right out of the uh, Socialist Party. You know, the it one sure thing. Could. Yeah, I oh, got I'm sorry. Yeah. And just one one other thought I have on it is. And it ties into how you introduced this topic, JJ, is it's all pointless. It's all just waste. I mean, it's not waste. It's being stolen, right? And the people who are on the receiving end of that theft are very grateful for it, I'm sure. But even if this were worth doing, it's probably illegal. Like I said, I can't wait to see the litigation associated with it. But it's also just not worth doing. It's all part of the same creepy insanity that the entire Western world is engaging in in order to steal everything that's not nailed down and and put everybody else in chains. So that is just this is like a, a slap in the face to anybody who's paying attention. And I suspect that's probably why it hasn't been grabbing a tremendous number of headlines. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, uh, well, first of all, that somewhere out in heaven, I'm sure Iron Eyes Cody is a uh... Not only he's crying with joy because he'll be resurrected, but this is this is, you know, at, at best, this is totally useless and it is a waste of money. Obviously, uh, the problem is, is that with everything else, this plus healthcare are the two huge uh, thing, torpedoes with which they steal our freedom. And 
let's say even in, in, in a perfect world, Kevin McCarthy you know, decides to issue a statement that, uh, no, you're not going to do this because only we can appropriate money and you cannot do this illegal blah, blah. He exercises his prerogative as the, as the head of, the, of, head of the, uh, the House of Representatives, which has the first string. So what if that doesn't happen? What'll go? What'll happen is all of a sudden, all of these corporations, as you as you alluded to very accurately, Joe, is that, and who is on these boards? And we talked about this in the last podcast with the the Ford mm-hmm. uh, with the strike with the the UAW strike because Ford wants to institute and and turn all of all of the, do away with the internal combustion engine and do away with the United Auto Workers jobs. What the government cannot do and what they what they can't impose on us, they literally somehow by hook or by crook or by coercion force the private sector to do. And voila, all of a sudden the government can hide behind this little, you know, the fig leaf saying, hey, we're not doing it. Corporate America is doing it. We, you know, and, and we can't, it's free market, it's free enterprise, they're free to do what they want. Oh, bullshit. Yeah. When you sick and, the IRS on them, when you sick the EPA on them, when you sick the FCC, the FAA, and every other goddamn alphabet agency, you better believe they're going to get in line. And sadly, more often than not, they have all too many willing people like this James Farley character, who's the CEO of Ford, to literally commit suicide by destroying their companies in the name of what this what the junta wants. So this is really, yeah, this is outrageous on so many horrible levels. Absolutely. Benito, Benito Mussolini is looking up from hell and saying to <laughs> to us, yep, yeah, this is how it's done. Nice, nice. You know, you're 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 on the you're yeah. on the right track. Just keep going. It's unbelievable. Right, and of course, yeah. this, and of course, nobody this, nobody in the media is going to question this no, because they not. obviously there's. I mean, the only person literally in in the in the mainstream so-called media that has any kind of you know that I have any respect for is this guy Matt Lee. I think he works at the AP and he's he covers the Foreign Service beat and he's always grilling the idiots from from Foggy Bottom about their their fuck ups and their screw ups. And I can't understand how a guy like that has, still has has a job in, in a place like the Associated Press. But and nobody else is going to question them on this. And if anybody questions it, it'll be how dare you question. You know, someone trying to save our precious democracy. When in point of fact, he's acting like a freaking dictator. It's just it's mind boggling. You know, the, 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 the money flow from government into these NGOs um, is 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 a filthy example of exactly what is wrong with the United States. Um, the the idea that that the federal government can fund even one penny's worth of an NGO's work is it's disgusting. There is no yeah. constitutional backing for any of that, and yet we have crept over the last couple of generations from essentially well maybe three generations from essentially none of you know no federal money going to ngos to probably billions tens of billions of dollars going mm-hmm. to these ngos and of course they're controlled by and large um through various cutouts but the democrat party yeah and it's it's they're utterly misnamed this is one of those circumstances where i actually think the queen's english works a little bit better than ours um because they have a different word for these they call them quangos which is an abbreviation for quasi ngo it's only a quasi non-government organization because they're receiving tax money um and there is this this at least mental distinction between an actual ngo what we used to call a charity um and these weird middle ground quasi organizations that take public and private money to go 
do party affiliated skullduggery. Um, I think the the concept of a of a quango is a very valuable one to understand, and and American English doesn't really provide for it. But it's these aren't NGOs; these are GOs. These are government organizations. If you have so much as one thin dime of taxpayer money flowing through your system, you're no longer a non government organization. And that's why a lot At of the schools. Yes, and that's why a lot of schools are you know. The, the, the attempt to try to reverse course it with uh, uh, these horrible curricula of diversity, of the Marxism, of the trans, transsexualism, especially the colleges, you know, they, I mean, and, and they want to do this because that's who they're populated with. But even if they wanted to break away, they can't because once you take the government money, man, you're, you're on the hook with them and they, they own you lock, stock and barrel. So you better go along in order, or get along in order to go along or vice versa. But this is, yeah, it's horrendous. And then you look at people like George Soros and Hans Jörg Wiss and, you know, the Schwab and all the other you know, evildoers that are, I mean, what's the, again, now you say, well, what is the government? What is the American government? Well, they're the American government, really, de facto, because all of these things, they are so intermingled with the billions of dollars and all their people in all these places, especially the DAs and so on and so forth, and the, the secretaries of state who count the, ele- who run the elections. Our, th- that's our government. Our government is now this this uh, this Davos, Brussels, and probably Beijing uh, axis of evil that is running the show. And there's there's and very little we can do about it. The, and they have shifted the focus of the government catastrophically. the The focus of the of the federal government is no longer defending our borders. Um, you know, robust geopolitical stance, whatever you might think about that. Um, and, you know, building roads and such. We have we, we have morphed into this touchy feely um, facade backed up by exactly what you're talking about, this new world order that is tremendously dangerous and destructive. It will destroy uh, American exceptionalism. But that, that's a good uh, segue into what I'd like to talk about next. Before you do, let me just say that, you know, it's funny, we talk about open borders, but when you have no government or, or, or some outside force is controlling the government, that is our government. That's why this whole push for, for no borders, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with us. So that is that's our government. Well, that's by plan. Yeah, that, that, that's Farm. not that's not uh, that's not failure because of incompetence. No, no, they, no. They, that's exactly their plan. Yeah. Anyway, um, one, one of the things that uh, we were discussing, what we were going to discuss today, and that is the state of the military. Um, and Joe Mannix uh, suggested, uh, you know, the the, the triad of uh, misrecruitment, lost planes, which is lovely, and operational <laughs> failure, which is a more general um, problem. Uh, you know, examples are everywhere. Uh, you know, our destroyers hit each other all the time and hit uh, merchant ships all the time. But the best one, of course, is losing a plane. Uh, you know, we lost an F-35 um, for reasons that are opaque, and I think that they are going to remain opaque for a very, very long time. I think the pregnancy flight suit uh, got in the way of the uh, hit the ejection button by mistake or, uh, you know. Well, he was, I, apparently he was wearing red pumps. He was wearing the four-inch heels, which, <laughs> and the F-35 is not is not equipped to handle four-inch heels. You have to limit it to three-inch heels. Right. That's yeah. How many you got to spend an extra two billion dollars to get the next model of the F-35. What is it now? Five billion dollars a copy. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) So, Joe, what do you think? I think it all comes down to um, 
one of those things that people used to complain about or worry about publicly. They would fret about the politi- politi- politicization of the the military um, and whether it's outright just because it's become a political organ. And, and I think there's a strong argument to be made that it has. Um, certainly non-operational factors have become paramount. Right. If I if we think back to uh, the Cold War uh, or even the post Cold War era, maybe even um, through the Obama administration, at least the first part of it, it the armed forces, whether they were uh, effective or ineffective, moribund or robust, always had the same general focus, which was our goal is skilled warriors and operational readiness, right? We have to be able to deploy our resources anywhere we need them. We have to be able to go kill people and break things in a highly effective way. And that was the organizational uh, identity. That was the organizational goal. How well it achieved that goal at any given time is sort of beside the point. What they wanted was effective warriors, operational excellence. Um and and they work toward that um, competently or not, depending on era. But since really since the second Obama administration, I think is where I would pin it. That's not the case anymore. Now it's about it making the military an extension of the state party system, where now it's not about effective warriors. It's about inclusivity. It's not about operational excellence and readiness. It's about um, I- ensuring that. Uh, we're we're recruiting the right kind of politically correct madmen, right? That we we're enabling, we're enabling all and coddling all of these particular interest groups that we want. The goal isn't operations and and war making. The goal is now political experimentation, and I think that explains a, a whole lot of it. At least I, I think it's certainly a factor. It's just there's just been this pivot in what the military is for. I agree. And that pivot and, and, started and under what's, Obama. What's ter- yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and what's terrifying is that the um, that the upshot of this is going to be a catastrophic loss in the next war. And uh, hopefully it will be some regional war where the borders of America are not threatened. But it is entirely possible that it is going to be uh, over um, Taiwan or, uh, you know, who knows, Venezuela or Cuba or, uh, you know, you, you name it. And there, there, there can be a war. And if China and Russia are involved, then we are going to be in big, big trouble because, as Joe pointed out quite eloquently, we do not have a military that is training to kill people and break things. We have a military that is training to be an extension of the worst excess excesses of of woke culture, of leftist indoctrination, and postmodern America. Well, what you're saying is they are being trained to kill things, to kill people and break things. They're they're being trained to kill the United States of America as founded and and uh, and break the will and the resistance of anybody who stands in the way of that. That means the American citizenry. Uh, there's a reason why 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 they did this, and that's because the military traditionally, along with baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet, to coin a phrase, the military has long been probably the last bastion of pure 
uh, Americanism, of the American ideal and everything that this nation stands for. Uh, those are the people that came to serve, is to serve this country, to serve the flag and to serve the Constitution and to protect our freedoms. And so by destroying that, uh, that is the, the thing that Barack Obama has a particular hate on for, along with many other things. So by getting rid of that, he, he is able to, number one, uh, further subsume and destroy American history, culture and society and the collective memory of what that what that's all about. And as a side effect, the side bonus, he's able to install officers and, and hopefully for him, at least uh, on a certain lower levels. Uh, up to the flag rank and beyond that will swear absolute loyalty and fealty to him and his uh, and not just him. I mean, by him, by every leftist that there is, including Biden and everybody else that comes after it to preserve, protect and defend the counter revolution of the United States of America. And that's what it's all about. And that's why I also say uh, related, you know, kudos to Tommy Tuberville for putting a freaking hold on these on these nominations of these horribly indoctrinated, incompetent ideologues that they want to put into the Department of Defense at the highest levels. Um, How long it could last? And I'm I'm hearing that he's actually been successful. It was all done under the rubric of trying to get rid of abortion uh, out of the the, uh, the veterans uh, health system. But it's a, you know, it's a good thing. And God bless him for standing in the breach. How long he can hold out is anybody's guess. But this is deadly dangerous. And to, to your point, CBD, you know, this is not just some war, you know, war for the sake of war to, to line the stock portfolios. This will be a real war where uh, our enemies will actually, you know, stomp all over us and make us cry uncle. And to, to be brutally honest about it, I don't think that Obama or Biden or anybody has a problem with that. If China were to, quote unquote, however it could do it strategically or otherwise, conquer the United States of America. I think they'd have a problem with that. But I, I who knows? Right. If the U.S. falls, then they fall with it. Right. There is a certain interest in, in keeping the, the system moving, but it's. I think they're much more interested in domestic operations, sort of some of what CBD was implying, if I was hearing that correctly. But they also just don't either they don't care or even more terrifying. They don't understand that changing all of the military's priorities to go after uh, alignment with the politically correct postmodernism. They might. My fear is they actually don't understand that that makes them incompetent. Um, I'm not certain. I believe that. Uh, that that's their position, but I think it might be, which is a, a fairly scary notion, at least to me. No, I, I I disagree. I think that they do understand quite quite well. They know what they're doing. They're destroying the military. Uh, they're trying to reshift reshift shift the focus of the United States away from being a global power and toward a um, just you know one one of many nations. And uh, American exceptionalism has a very very big problem with that. And uh, that's why I think there are so many people who have noticed what is going on in the military, because the military is, you know, the most significant presence that we have in the world. Um, You know, you could argue that our uh, our entertainment uh, has more effect uh, throughout the the world. But uh, I I would disagree with that. I'm not so sure that that, uh, um, I can defend my point significantly, but that's my impression. But um, yes, they are they are destroying the military. And, you know, the United States has never been particularly successful in our first battles, but we get very, very good very, very quickly. 
Um, the, the question, of course, is has the military been gutted to such an extent that our first battle will be simply one of many failures? And I am terrified that I that that is the case. I agree. I mean, after Pearl Harbor, I mean, the, the nation was divided to the, ex- to the extent that it was divided. But it, it touches upon the point that whatever your political beliefs may have been, unless you were really a, a, a way out there, wacky, you know, Stalinist, uh, most people love the country. Uh, even so-called, quote unquote, oppressed minorities like blacks and so on and so forth, who were still suffering under Jim Crow, I should say the Democrat imposed Jim Crow. They still went to try to volunteer and to fight for this country and to fight for freedom. Uh, And then, yes, after Pearl Harbor and after the, the disasters of the first six months of the war, we did rally and we came back and we ultimately became the global, you know, the global superpower and it became the American century. They do. I can't see that happening. If something happens where, you know, God forbid our interests are threatened, forget about globally. I mean, Taiwan, but even if something were to happen on our own soil, you've got to wonder, uh, you know, what the response is going to be, especially if something happens, you know, not so much like it happened at the twin towers or at the Pentagon. Let's say something happens in red state America. Do you think the people in San Francisco or Boston or, or wherever are going to say anything, they'll probably cheer it on. Like, ah, oh, you deserve that. You white racist supremacists, whatever. Uh, we're on the side of, uh, yeah, we're on the side of Islam. God, God bless it for happening. So we are complete. This country is so completely divided that, uh, you know, that's the real scary thing. Plus the fact that all our military stocks have been depleted and sent over to the Ukraine. So, uh, you know, yeah, we have nothing to fight with, even if we were attacked. And this is really, boy, oh boy, we are in a, a real pickle right well, speaking of uh, pickles, um, what's yes. going on? What's going on on the border? Um, the, what border? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What <that's> border? <laughs> yeah, um, Joe, you uh, you mentioned something about uh, the illegals are concentrating in places like Colony Ridge. Yeah, and that was in um, one of JJ's morning reports this week on the on the blog that it. Colony Ridge is particularly interesting in that it's basically an illegal alien city um, being built by some industrialist. Um, but that's it's just one little piece of the overall issue. And and you scoffed, JJ, I think, when uh, when CBD brought this up, when you said what border um, and still do that's sort of the point that, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the real point, I think, is the the border isn't there. Um, there is it it's just it's an open wound um and in it it flows over and this is finally something that is becoming a problem politically for the left at least it appears that it is um abbott and then later desantis's busing i thought was a sort of a, a pointless exercise to grab headlines um it appears to have made this okay to talk about for the blue cities, um, which because if you look at the actual volumes of people that have been bussed into places like New York City and Chicago, it's actually not that great as oh, compared to the total yeah. inflow of, of illegals yeah. anyway. But I think he provide it allows them to use it as an excuse to talk about the problem 
um, because it allows Abbott and DeSantis to be the bad guys while they go after Joe Biden. Um, but and they are and they are. And that's very, very uh, interesting in that that doesn't usually happen. And it's it's come to a breaking point where even now Biden has to backpedal. Um, uh, somebody commented this morning, I, I don't know the source of it, so it, it could be apocryphal, but where Joe Biden gave some mumbling answer on the immigration problem where he blamed Trump for it, where, you know, the typical my predecessor left this in a pretty bad state, um, which is preposterous, right, to absolutely anybody who's been paying any amount of attention for the last decade or more. Um, but it's it's to the point where now there are no acceptable answers um it's i I think it's going to continue happening and and our joke of a border is going to keep being a joke of a border but it's not as politically tenable as it was so at least there's that as a as an improvement it's something that everybody is now allowed to talk about i think it's going to be i think it's going to be even more dangerous in the future um because they are do there are two things occurring one they're they're trying to push as many of these illegals into the heartland as possible um, but the second thing is that, as you mentioned, they're concentrating along the border, but on our side of the border. So we have we have the uh, what is essentially um, a fifth column of potential cartel workers uh, in that we are concentrating in places where we will simply not be able to control them. The one advantage of of moving these people throughout the country is that they are dispersed and they are diluted. But if we start building little cities along the, you know, the Texas, New Mexico, Arizona and California borders, um, what's going to happen next? Well, they're going to be cartel cities. And that's extraordinarily dangerous for so many reasons. Um, and I and I don't see a solution. Uh, well, yes, obviously, there's a solution. You know, you put the 101st Airborne on the goddamn uh, southern border and close it 100 percent. Nobody crosses. Right. By the way, the, 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 you touch upon an interesting, first of all, the name of this place, Colony something or other, what, what an appropriate name that they're colonizing, or shall I say Reconquista. But, it, you know, the, the other art, the other story that happened last last time that we were talking about was the the, the tossing of the ridiculous uh, impeachment charges against the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton. And people were saying, you know, the 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 re- reason for this was that he was brought up was it was revenge of the Bushies. That might have something to do with it and probably a big part of it. But supposedly Ken Paxton was investigating this whole colony, whatever the heck it's called, this this little town. And he was try- he was bringing light to it and he was going to actually take action against it. And he was coming up against forces that are cartel linked and who knows, perhaps linked to the Bushes and the globalists and somebody else. And so because of that, that's probably one of the reasons why. Uh, he had to go. But on another note, I also find it interesting from a, from a messaging standpoint that the New York's wonderful governor, uh, Kathy Hochul, uh, make me puke, she even herself said today, first of all, she, used to, she declared New York a couple of years ago, uh, we welcome all, all migrants, all it's, we're a sanctuary state. She said, if you're coming from another country, don't come here. So that wasn't necessarily aimed at Abbott or, or DeSantis or whoever. It was aimed at them. So I find that uh, nicely delicious and nicely reflect, refreshing. There was also a, a, a town hall meeting where wonderful luminaries like uh, Titicaca, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was there, uh, ready to blame the usual suspects, meaning Trump and conservatives and white people. And her constituents were having none of it. They demanded that she stop the border, close the border and seal the border in no uncertain terms. So these are at least 
that's kind of a, a silver lining to this whole thing. Hopefully, it, it, they don't disperse as much as they can to red state America. Or if they do, other red state governors and mayors do exactly what Abbott does and ship them the hell out to the nearest blue hellhole they can find. The thing is that the, the complaints coming from the red, from the blue states and the blue cities has nothing to do with our lack of a border, it has nothing to do with with trying to, to slow illegal immigration. It has everything to do with money. They don't care if if the if uh, Biden called Hochul this afternoon and said, yeah, we're going to we're sending 10 billion dollars to New York State so that you can manage these uh, tens of thousands of illegal immigrants. She would shut up and get in line. It has every it's it's just a money play. I do not believe that they have any interest in slowing any kind of movement of of illegal immigrants into the uh, into the blue c- cities and states. I agree with you. But Politic- then you got to ask the question. You got to ask the question. Then why isn't Biden just like printing the money and sending? So that's also a political kind of a football. So it's a little bit of as we go circle back to the pickle that we 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 talked about at the beginning. So why doesn't he just print some money and send it to Hoko and have her shut up? Because this way he can uh, he can criticize Abbott, he can criticize DeSantis, he can he can say that oh this is this is a problem originating in Texas and Florida and and uh, wherever. Uh, point. It's it's a political play, yeah. nothing more. Absolutely, but and I think you're right, CBD, from a political standpoint. Um, Hochul or or um, Adams, yep. If that check came from the federal government, they would shut up about it and get back in line uh, from the political standpoint. What is a little bit different, and this is something that JJ mentioned, is these incredible um, demonstrations, incredible not for their scale, but that they happened at all in New York against AOC and, um, oh, the the planetoid that represent Jerry Nadler um, and <laughs> And all of that, where they, uh, where now because they made it, they being the the blue state governments and blue city governments, made it okay to talk about this because they thought they were just going to be uh, able to stop Abbott and take away that talking point, and it and it got completely out of control. They made it okay to talk about this, and while they don't care one little bit about the porosity of the southern border and in fact are in favor of it because they're part of this giant slave trade that is what the open border is their people might not be and now that it's okay to talk about they're hearing about it and that's that's a little bit unusual that's a little bit new so if there's a silver lining anywhere to be found that's where i think it is absolutely uh i'm not suggesting that it was a smart political decision but it was it is a political decision a financial decision that it backfired absolutely on them them is wonderful you're absolutely right. Great. Gentlemen, let's take a little bit of a break and we'll come back and uh, with one final segment and do some quick hits and other things on the Cut Jib News Letter Radio Network. So do stay tuned. We are back. Uh, CBD, JJ Sefton, and the great Joe Mannix. I'm, I'm chuckling because, uh, as you all know, if you read the if you read the blog, uh, 
reader, readers of longtime readers of the blog, I should say, will notice that every once in a while in the middle of the continents, Joe will just post like a, a random uh, cheesecake shot of some buxom babe. <laughs> it sort of elicits uh, both howls of laughter and, uh, and peaked curiosity, I might say. So uh, we appreciate that. But you know, it's too bad. Well, we had one. I think this woman from Virginia we talked about last week, this Gibbons or Gibson, who was uh, getting Rogered on camera for, oh. uh, you know, for, for whatever. Yeah. Speak, but, speaking uh, of lack of propriety, I think that's a little yeah. bit worse than Bobert. <laughs> but anyway, um, I, I've been, you know, in my notes, I have uh, gerontocracy slash kleptocracy, which is, I think, a good description of our federal government. I just need a word that will encompass both the uh, the ridiculous uh, – you know, 88-year-old uh, idiots who are, who are rapidly approaching senil- total senility um, combined with their acquisitiveness when it comes to uh, American taxpayer money. Chazer so, Pasudniak, I guess, is Yiddish, but I don't know if that's yeah. uh, <laughs> hyphenated. Yeah. I don't know. So, the, um, so the, the, the talk about having term limits uh, in the United States is a very, very interesting one. I think that uh, the Constitution is pretty clear on that, and that it there is nothing that we that we cannot we cannot enact the term limit uh, short of a constitutional amendment. Um, but the issue I think is significant. That is that we have a bunch of seven, 70 and eighty year old people in the federal government who are pathetically bad at what they do, and have focused primarily on their own aggrandizement and their own enrichment. And a term limit would probably limit that sort of behavior. It would not prevent it. People would be more aggressive in in generating generational wealth for themselves uh, as you know junior congressmen from uh, West Virginia or or Southern California. But uh, I think it would probably be a good idea. How we get there, I have no idea. Yep. I think it's a great. I think it's a great idea. But you know, again, yeah, I think it is constitutional amendment. I think that's what ha- that's why we got the. Uh, you know, when, when Roosevelt kicked the bucket, they they. I think it was the twenty second amendment that was immediately passed because they didn't want another. Uh, you know, however, another emperor, so to speak, uh, Obama being what's his name's puppet master, notwithstanding. But yeah, this is crazy. I think it would be it would be a very salutary effect. Number one, you know, youth is not necessarily or old age does not necessarily mean that you turn into a drooling, gibbering vegetable like, uh, you know, like like Joe Biden. I mean, we already have we have John Fetterman for that. But that was, you know, medically induced on another on another front. But at the same token, yeah, that's part of the problem. The other part of the problem is the less time you have in Congress or as a politician, the less time theoretically that uh, the forces, the powers that be over on uh, K Street can bribe you and induce you into passing laws that benefit them. And then you can pocket pocket the 10 percent. So if we can constantly rotate out, that would be a good thing. Of course, you know, look, uh, you're always going to get socialists and crazies like Ocasio-Cortez and whoever. But hopefully you're also going to get very good people like uh you know, for, for I'm trying to think on our side, you get the, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, you get the Matt Gateses in there. And, and that's a good thing as well. So it keeps people on their toes and it keeps the, the shenanigans, hopefully, to a minimum. So I'm in favor of that. Yeah, yeah it would at least keep you from digging in like a tick, which Absolutely. is which is what what happens. And this this thing where like everybody is either elderly or incompetent is well, it's troubling. Let's put it that way. Um, you know, Fetterman is a 
Fetterman's a prime example of the latter of, of mere incompetence, I guess. But um, yeah, I am in, I'm in favor of a, a term limit or something like it. Just you can only do so much damage if you're only there for so long. It, it's not like term limits magically will turn our representatives into good people. That's not going to happen, but it can at least limit the amount of time they have to do damage and build empires. Now, the the issue with term limits is interesting, but I think a, at least as significant an issue as term limits would be limiting the the lifetime employment in the federal government, which would probably require perhaps not a constitutional amendment, but it would require some significant legislation that is that will never happen, obviously, uh, no. unless yeah. you know, Over... unless we reach uh, America 2.0. But um, that is at least as big a problem as um, the gerontocracy in in our in Congress. Yeah, over a certain pay grade, I could certainly see it. I mean, do I really have a problem with it if you want to be a, a janitor at the Hoover Building for your entire career? No, probably not. Um, but af- but above a certain pay grade or a certain position on the org chart, yep, I would I would concur. You should have to get out at some point. Right. I would certainly you know, the, uh, support something like that. Bingo. I mean, I mean, everybody marvels, you know, they should marvel at it, mostly in disgust at these multi-thousand page bills that somehow magically appear, you know, that the, you know, the congressman is supposed to read in, in 28 hours, 24 hours before voting on it, such as Obamacare and this ridiculous Inflation Reduction Act. All of these things have uh, leftist wet dream uh, codicils in them buried on page 642. And, and all the way throughout all of these bills that were written by these underlings and these apparatchiks and these, to, co- to coin a phrase, little Eichmanns who work at these bureaucracies and are lifetime employees or even at the NGOs, which we discussed, or quas- quangos, quango tango, um, you know, to get rid of that pr- prospect would be, fa- would be fantastic because they're the ones that are really, in a way, running the show and, 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 uh, and crafting the legislation. It's like, uh, you know, there's no way that a Barack Obama wrote a 1,000 page thing or the, whoever the, the, the secretary of health was at the time wrote a 1,000 page bill, basically nationalizing one sixth of the economy. All well, of these things that have been circulating around forever. And it's these little these ticks that are there forever that are doing it. So it's getting rid of them would be fabulous. It's Go actually even worse than that. Um, what those 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 multi thousand page bills are written primarily by lobbyists, then the um, lobbyists funnel them to the uh you know the 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 juniors in these uh, congressional offices um and then uh they are voted on sight unseen by our con- by our congressmen our representatives and our senators um the, it's it's the lobbyists who are writing most of this stuff which is even worse i mean if, if anything it would be better if we could, uh, if we could limit them to, uh, you know, be, being produced by, uh, you know, these idiots, these idiot twenty-six-year-olds uh, who are working as junior aides to some backbencher, but uh, un- unfortunately, it's even worse than what what you have suggested, and that is that they come out of K Street. Is it K Street? Yeah, that's K Street. Yeah, yeah, they come out of K Street, and they are quite obviously written with without the american people in mind they are written for the corporations that fund those lobbyists indeed he do gentlemen i think we have come to the end of another fascinating and scintillating episode this has been the cut jib newsletter speaks podcast for cbd joe mannix 
It's JJ Sefton. Thank you so much. Thank you for hitting the tip jar. It helps more than you know, and we will see you again real soon on the next one. Thank you as always. Thanks for listening, folks. 